These guys have done an amazing job with our stage. So I'm going to try it out. Yes, I will be careful. I've got running room, jumping room. Amen. Amen. So thankful. Thank you, worship team. Thank you so much for being obedient to the Lord today. You guys are awesome. You guys are awesome. I'm going to uh, be looking at the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through 38. And as you're turning there, I want to just uh, focus your attention to uh, we're on the last of our banners here, we, the finish um, goal, find, intercede, network, invest, send, and harvest, harvest. Thank you, Jesus, right? God is so good. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 says, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Verse 36, But when he saw the multitudes or the crowds, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered, like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Father, I pray that you would give wisdom today, that you will open our ears to what the Spirit of the Lord is speaking to us. God, that you will help us to be stirred with compassion as you were stirred with compassion. Help us to be open to your plan, obedient, sacrificial in responding to the plan that you have laid before us. We thank you for all that you're doing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, when I look at this passage and throughout the New Testament, Jesus is the model for ministry. Right? Would, would y'all believe that? Would y'all say that? I mean, is Jesus the model of ministry? Are y'all wore out from worship? Need your second cup of coffee or third or fifth, whatever that looks like for you? Jesus is the model of ministry. He's, he's what shows us never did Jesus sit back and wait on people to come to him. He went to people. He went out and to the highways and byways. He went to where they were. He was walking through the cities, according to Scripture. He went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching. That word preach me is the word kerugma. In other words, he went speaking, telling something was awesome, something was good. There's a gospel that people need to hear, the gospel of the kingdom. Amen? Amen. I don't know about you, but I kind of like this place around here. Amen. That's a good. That's a good. Good opportunity, wasn't it? I, I really enjoy Alcoa Maryville Church of God. I love being here. Yeah. And, and and not because of the building. I love you guys. Believe that or not. I love you all. I'm thankful for 
the ministries that we have here, for the people who make up the ministries that we have in this church because of your heart and passion. And if we have that same desire for one another, don't you like to invite people to something that you like? Amen? So when I tell people where I, you know, who I am, I, it always ends with an invitation. Hey, man, you should come and be a part of what we're doing. Somebody said, Pastor, you'd like to proselyte everybody. I said, no, 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 no. I don't normally ask people where they go to church. Because just because they go to church doesn't make them a Christian. I want to know, do you know Jesus? Right? And, and, and then... Do you have a place of worship? It is surprising to me how many people I talk to today who will say, yes, I know Jesus, but I don't go to church. Look, I, I'm, I don't, the Bible says you'll be known by the fruits you bear, right? So in, in stating that, it's not necessarily a judgment statement, it's identifying a fruit statement. And when somebody says they don't go to church, that says that they're not a part of the body of Christ. Because to be a part of the body of Christ, you have to meet with the body of Christ. You have to connect with the body of Christ. Even in Hebrews, it says, do not forsake the assembling of yourself together, right? So therefore, God has taught us to come together, to be a part of his plan and, and, and recognize, God, that that guys, there's a harvest that God wants to reap, and we're a part of the plan. Amen. I mean, I don't know about you, but you know, I didn't just come to Christ. Somebody brought me. I'm thankful for a great mother and dad who loved me enough that was willing to raise me up in a godly home and bring me to the house of God, kicking and screaming, if you will, at times. But I'm thankful that there was a generation of compassion and a generation of obedience to the word of God that, that called me, amen? And because of being in the presence of worship, it transformed my life. I didn't come in every single Sunday like I should have. As a young person, I didn't come in with the right mentality. There was times I came in rebellious. There was times I came in, in in ways that I should never have walked into the church. But one day, the presence of God grabbed a hold of my heart, and he wouldn't let me go. It shook me. It changed my life. It transformed me so that when I woke up three pews back, speaking in a heavenly language, I would never go back to the way I used to be. That's all right. Give him praise. We should never neglect people, whether they're living in a mansion or a shoebox. Because we don't know where people have come from. We don't know people's history. We don't know the struggles they've been through. And Jesus, when he saw the crowd, he was moved with compassion. Our job is to be salt and light into this world. Our job is to touch and love and encourage and help others who are broken so that they can come to Jesus and He can bring healing in their life. Amen. I know some of y'all aren't used to me preaching in such nice, debonair outfit. I can take it off. It'll help you a little bit. Believe me. Verse 36 says, when he saw, 
What did Jesus see? What did he look at? It wasn't just a bunch of bodies out there, not just a crowd. It wasn't just a superficial glance when he looked across the, 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 the multitude of people. I mean, when you think about it, he saw souls. If, if he was looking out and he just saw a multitude of people, he wouldn't have been moved with compassion. We can go and, and we can look out and see many people walking by. We can look and see cars driving by. We can go to grocery stores and see all kinds of people walking by. But Jesus saw the soul of the people standing there and he was moved with compassion. That word moved with compassion means a stirring, deep stirring in, their, in his inner being. He was stirred to do something about it. You know, too many times we see people in a different light. Uh, I had a, a great friend who was a shoe shiner there in Honduras. His name is Stone. And as many times that, that people would walk by, he never would look at their face. He said, that's it. You need your shoe shined. Man, I had a pair of sneakers one time. I said, Stone, these you can't shine sneakers. He said, you'll make a bet. <laughs> he was... Too busy looking at people as customers and not people. So many, so many times we, we walk into a place and, and we're just identified as just another number. Too many churches were, are too focused on how many did you have today rather than the name of the people. They're wanting numbers instead of names. They're wanting workers instead of worshipers. And don't get me wrong, we need workers too. But I would rather be someone be a heartfelt worshiper because if they're a worshiper, God will lead them to work. Amen? I better get back up here. I like this. Woo. Amen. <laughs> First and foremost, we as the body of Christ are called to be soul winners. Amen? Soul winners. I mean, how many times do we look at our relatives as just another thorn in the flesh? Huh? Well, that's the brother-in-law. I've got to deal with him. Right? We go to family reunions and like, oh, well, we'll tolerate this one. But yet, when we think of every person that we come in contact with, we, they are a soul to be saved. How many times do we... To look at our neighbors that, man, they got a new car, or man, they got this, and man, they got that. And instead of looking at them and saying, that's another soul that needs to be saved, how many of us know our neighbor? How many of us are really reaching out for them to know who we are and recognize that they are a soul to be saved? How many times do we look, have our friends, we, 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 we literally spend hours and hours with friends, and, and we talk about all different kinds of things, and then we get to the last moment of life, and we wonder, are they really saved? Because we've never identified the fact that they are a soul that needs to be saved, and the most important conversation that we could ever have is not about our football team, it's not about a soccer team, it's not about anything else, it's about Jesus, and do they know Jesus as our Lord and Savior because that is what is eternal? Yes, Lord. How many times do we sit beside a coworker? And all of our thought is just what the next job is. 
And all along, it could be that the very fact that the Lord has placed us in that cubicle or in that spot for a purpose. And it's somebody, it's a divine appointment that God has laid on us. And at that moment, we're no greater a witness than we are sharing the light. We have to be a light even in the workplace. Jesus modeled ministry in such a way when he saw people, he didn't just see people, he saw the needs of the people. He was moved with compassion. The word compassion means stirred at the deepest level. When he saw the leper, he didn't just see a man who with, with boils on his skin or his nose deteriorating or fingertips gone. He saw somebody who was hurting, who was lonely, who was depressed, who was an outcast, who was struggling. That's who he saw. When he saw the, the man who had just lost his daughter, he was moved with compassion. He was he felt the sorrow. He felt the grief. He felt the pain that this father had. And he was moved with compassion and loved them. He saw the adulterous lady who was dragged before him with every truthful accusation that was true. And he looked at her with compassion, recognizing that she was a broken person. Yes, he he could have judged her by the law, but he judged her by by a higher law, the law of love. And he looked out into the congregation of the people with stones in her hand. Who is without sin? Cast the first stone. God, help us to be a people walking in the truth of your love willing to look at people for who they are, even in their brokenness, and love them the way you love them, Lord. William Booth, who started the Salvation Army, one evening walked through the streets of London. It was, it was stormy, it was rainy, and it was raining down. And he went through the homeless community and saw the vagrants all around and saw them broken. He got home and his wife asked him, where you been, William? He said, I've been to hell. He'd been into the heart of the most corrupt, broken place of London. And it stirred his heart so profoundly that he developed an organization called the Salvation Army. What does our compassion What does our heart, when we see the brokenness of the world, what does it stir us to do? What does it stir us in our our spirit to say, how can we reach a world that is broken? Anyone can be saved. Amen. Anyone can be transformed by the power of his love. The, The worse your life is, the more you have the privilege of being forgiven. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Many of us live in in such a bubble. We've forgotten where we've come from. We've forgotten the the grace of God. We've forgotten the the blessings of God. We're so busy looking down our nose at others who are broken and, and, and we see them hurting. And it's like we don't want to be, we're disgusted by it instead of looking at them with compassion saying they need Jesus because everybody needs Jesus. God, help us to have that passion. Help us to have that stirring that we really reach out and touch and love and compassionate towards others.
That's the compassion of Jesus. Verse 36, the Bible compares people to sheep. We look at the condition of the sinner. Isaiah 53, 6 says, And all we like sheep have gone astray, each unto his own way. Psalms 103, We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Psalms 23 and 1, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Come on, right? When we look at ourselves for a moment, as the sheep that we are, we can learn from this obvious illustration in Matthew chapter 9. It's a picture of the sheep that have been attacked by a wild animal. They're apart from the flock, alone and separated. They, they don't have a shepherd. And listen here, Jesus without, with sinners without Jesus are like sheep without a shepherd. Without Jesus, we have no protection. Come on. Verse 36 there, Jesus had compassion because they had fainted. When you think of a sheep, you think of one who has, has been taken and skinned and fleeced, if you will, and tossed to the side. There's a whole lot of religious people who have been tossed, who have come in and tossed people to the side, but God has not called us to toss people to the side. He's called us to love people and embrace them and encourage them. Amen? People today are led more by the Hollywood elitist and the media and the popular opinion than anything else, especially other than the truth. Look, Satan wants to use every means possible so that he could dilute the truth. I mean, I, I think of, is there anything on TV that's easy to watch any longer? Because when, when you look... I mean, he wants to get you to laugh at the filth. He wants you to get, get you to tolerate the perversion. He wants to get you to treat your family the way those on the show treat their families, like parents are some dumb idiots. I don't know if I'm supposed to say that from the pulpit. Anyway. Watering down the truth, putting in mentalities that that calls us to go against God's word instead of living for the truth. There's a spirit of antichrist that is truly prevalent in the world today. And are we walking in the spirit of Jesus Christ to know the truth from the lie? Are we able to decipher and discern what it is that we set before our eyes? David said, I will set no wicked thing before my eyes because he understood the gate of his eyes was the, was the eye to his spirit, the doorway to his soul. And we have to be careful. Do we taint our soul? If there's darkness, how dark is the darkness? But let there be light in us in Jesus' name. Without Jesus, there's... There's no protection without Jesus. There's no direction. It said they were scattered. Thank you, Lord, that he was willing to leave the 99 for the one. But too many times they're, they're, the sheep of the pasture are wondering where to go and what to do and how to do. Where are we, Lord? What are we supposed to do? You know... I know when he likens us to sheep, it's probably not the most nice thing to be modeled after. 
I mean, look, we, we tried, all y'all animal lovers, don't, don't shoot me right now. But we've had a few cats dropped off on the doorstep, and we've tried to get rid of them. And we take them several communities away. And somehow or another, through the prayers of my daughter, they would show back up. Then how can you get rid of them? She prayed it back. Sheep aren't that way. They just follow the hiney in front of them. Wherever that one's going in front, that's where we're going, right? They just follow who's leading. If you let one stray, they'll never make it back. Hence, leaving the 99 to go find the one because they won't find their way back. Sheep don't have that sense. Wow. Sadly is, is that how often do we just follow the leader in front of us? I mean, how often do designers put out clothes and it's the next style? We got to be in style, don't we? It doesn't matter how immoral, it doesn't matter how holy, <laughs> holy it is. We just go with the next fad. It doesn't matter if it's high-waisted, low-waisted, no-waisted, right? We just follow the, the, the trends, right? We have to be careful of what we follow. I'm not telling you not to be stylish. Y'all need to, I mean, y'all be stylish, but be moral. Amen? I mean, good old-fashioned jeans and a T-shirt is always good in style. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> you know, there was a, a dad who was talking to his daughter, and she got her a new phone. Man, she was super happy with that new phone. She wouldn't even take it out of the house until she got her protective cover. And that cover came in, and she was so excited. First thing she did, she popped that baby in that, that, that cover. She sat it down, and she, she took the time to make sure there was no bubbles. Y'all know what I'm talking about. In the screen protector. And, his dad, and the dad was like, honey, when you put that protector on there, doesn't it take away from the beauty of the phone? Oh, no, Dad. It's a beautiful phone. It takes the best pictures, right? <laughs> honey, when you, put that, when you put that cover on it, you can't see all of its integral parts. Oh, no, Dad. I want to protect it. Why? Why would you put a cover on it if you want everybody to see it? Because it's brand new and it's shiny. Because I want to protect it. Well, why do you want to protect it? Because it's expensive. Well, honey, you're expensive to me. And when I've asked you to cover up, it's not because I don't love you. It's not because you're less valuable or you're less pretty. It's because you are valuable in my eyes and I care about you and I want to protect you. So when you put on some cover, it's 
protecting the value of who you are. Come on, somebody. Poor Jesus, he done went to meddling. We need direction, don't we? We're so afraid to give direction. But honestly, if we'll stick to the word, we'll stick to the truth of God's word, we sure could transform a generation. Amen? Amen. We've seen the compassion of the Savior. We've seen the condition of the the sheep. But then we also have to recognize the the commission of the saints. In verse 37 and 38, then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest. Jesus pivots at this point and begins focusing in on them. When you look at the flocks, the flock is a picture of the fact that we need God. But then when you look at the field, it's a fact that God wants us in his labor. I don't know exactly why God would choose us and all of our brokenness, but God created us so that we could worship him. He created us so that we could be his vessels in this world, vessels that honor and bring, bring glory to him. Come on, amen? And, and so when I look at this, it says... To pray the Lord of the harvest. So many times we use all kinds of recruiting factors because we want everybody to be a part of the church. But the number one recruiting factor is pray the Lord of the harvest. We've got to pray. I thank God for for those that the Lord has sent. And I believe that through prayer, God is sending people to be a part of his kingdom plan. But then I also recognize This says, pray the Lord of the harvest. Amen. I mean, you recognize that he's the God of the harvest. You know, we celebrate, we have several groups in here, and and we love to, to, to identify the Jewish heritage, right? When I think about the Lord of the harvest, I think about the Feast of the harvest, or the feast of weeks, as some might might call it. When I'm thinking of the Lord of the harvest, I'm thinking of the fact that the feast of the harvest is 50 days after the feast of unleavened bread. When you think of 50 days, you think of the day of Pentecost. So when we pray the Lord of the harvest... We're praying for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit because we recognize that it is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that will give us the boldness to reach out, to look into the world and see that the harvest is plentiful, right? Jesus even told the disciples, when you look out, he says, don't say wait four months in the harvest. He says, look up now for for the harvest is white And it's plentiful and it's ready. Look, there's a world that's looking for somebody to reach out to them, looking for somebody to show them love, looking for somebody to to lift them up because there's a world that they're already being degraded. They're already being cast down. They're already being judged. They look at the church and say, that church doesn't care about us. That church doesn't love us. All they want to do is point out our flaws. All they want to do is point out our wrongs. How many of you have ever felt that way before? 
Jesus said, I did not come into the world, John 3, 17. I did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through me might be saved. You'll never reach a harvest going out and pointing out what's wrong. Yes, there's some, there's some tares that have been uh, sowed into the wheat. So should we go out and pull out the tares? No. Why? Because he said, if you pull out the tares, you'll destroy the roots of the wheat. So we're not here to, to try to rip somebody's tares out of their life. We're here to love them enough to let Jesus do the work that he can do and that he can pull out the tares. He can bring in the harvest. We just got to keep planting seed. We just got to keep loving. We just got to keep embracing. We just got to keep helping them in that moment. And let me tell you, when we seek the Lord of the harvest, the Lord of the harvest will empower you with the Holy Spirit. If we'll just wait on Him, if we'll just trust in Him, He will change our lives. Come on. I'm closing. I don't know if I need music or not. The fact is, is that Every one of us are called for a purpose of the kingdom of God. Every one of us. There's not one person here who can, can walk around with their head high and act like they've never done anything wrong. There's not one person in this room that can say, I've been saved since I was born. Every one of us have strayed. Every one of us have followed wrong paths and wrong patterns every one of us need Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior but we having come to him didn't come just to be the sheep of his pasture we came to be empowered for his purpose look there's a world that needs Jesus and the only way we can fulfill the finished commitment the only way that we can effectively win the war if you will build the kingdom we're not trying to build our own kingdom look it, does it make me happy when this place is full yeah but if, another, if not another person walked in the doors it's not about numbers. What I want to hear is, who have you touched? Who have you ministered to? Who has the Lord allowed you to speak truth in and life in and their lives have been changed? That's what's important. Eso es más importante que todo. It's more important than everything else. Because everyone needs Jesus everyone needs to experience the hope that you have everyone needs to experience the compassion that was shown to you look I was the spoiled youth pastor's child that caused the ruckus I was the one who climbed out the window of the youth room Okay, I might be telling too much.
But I was the one that the youth pastor grabbed me one night and pulled me to the altar and said, Son, I love you. And I'm not going to let you to continue going down this path. He called me out. Did I like it? No. But I'll never forget it. I'll never forget him pulling me into his office and pushing me to my knees and getting on his knees beside me with his arm wrapped around me. He wasn't derogatory. He wasn't, I can't believe you. No, he wasn't like that. But he began to weep. And as the tears fell on to the couch in front of us and the snot hanging from his nose, I knew that day that he loved me. That it wasn't a show. It wasn't just, I got another young person in the youth group. No. It was a compassion that I will never forget. It was an embrace that I will always remember. And somebody needs you to be that embrace. Somebody needs you to shed some tears for them. Somebody needs to know that you care that much because it just might be that that care transforms a neighbor, a co-worker, a son or daughter, a friend. Today, if you say, Pastor, I have somebody that I have in mind that, that, that needs Jesus and I'm praying for them, would you raise your hand right now? ask you to do something with me because I believe God wants us to recognize there's a harvest time. He wants us to commit to reaping the harvest. If you raise your hand, would you come? Can I agree with you this morning? Would you come and let's agree together? The loved one that I'm praying for and I'm believing that God's going to touch them. I believe that God's going to Open their eyes to truth. Yeah. Amen. Amen. This is what the Word of God says. It says, My Word will not go out void. Keep speaking truth. Keep believing keep sharing don't give up there's many times that some of you people gave up on but I'm here to encourage you don't give up you might be feeling like the last, the least you might have been told you wasn't worthy and people might have said the same thing about the person you're praying about. But I'm here to encourage you. God is not done yet. He's not done. Until we, until he steps out on the clouds of glory and says, Come home, my children. There's a harvest that needs to be reaped. 
and there's laborers needed and there's prayer that needs to be go up. Amen? I'm agreeing with you that God is going to stir in that person's spirit that their need for Him is greater than their need for anything else. And if there's a hindrance, whether it be drugs, whether it be alcohol or relationships, whatever it is, whatever's hindering them from experiencing God's love, I'm praying that that be broken in Jesus' name. That that gets broken off of them. Somebody says, look, I'm compassionate towards drug addicts. Because if you've ever been a drug addict, you know that there's no way to give it up on your own. Somebody always says, if they'll just quit that, they'll be all right. If they'll just quit that, they wouldn't be in the place they are. If they knew how, don't you know they would? You think a drug addict's happy? No. You think they're happy when they see the broken faces when they come home? No. You think they're happy when they recognize they've spent everything they've had, they've lost everything? No. If they knew how to change, they would. But we know the answer. And His name is Jesus. Can we believe together today for a harvest to be reaped? For souls to be saved? When we pray the Lord of the harvest, we're praying for the anointing of the Holy Spirit to be on us, to use us, but also to bring in others. Lord, today, I agree with my brothers and sisters standing here. Lord, we have stepped forward in faith because we desire souls to be saved. We desire. There's there's this one person that's stuck in our spirit that we know needs you, Lord Jesus. And we pray, God, that by any means, Lord, if it's through us or through somebody else, God, that you'll awaken their heart. Lord, that you'll bring salvation to their home, Lord Jesus. Lord, in their brokenness, they have broke others. In their brokenness, they have destroyed relationships. In their brokenness, they have hurt. But Lord Jesus, I still see them as valuable. Lord, I still see them as people that you have created. They're the workmanship of your hands. And Lord, you have not given up. And Lord, because you've not given up, today we don't give up. Today, I pray for a moving of compassion in us. Lord, that stirs us so strongly that we will have a, a, an unsatiable desire to reach out and, and touch them and, and see them transformed by the power of your love. Lord, every curse that has been spoken over them, every, every demonic influence that has held them back, Lord, today in Jesus' name, we agree together that it be broken off of them right now, Lord. Lord, loose them and set them free. Lord, even right now, whether they're in the bed or whether they're in a couch or at home or the hospital, wherever they are, whether they're in jail, in Jesus' name, I pray for a spiritual awakening that their eyes will be opened, that they will know that today somebody's praying for them that they will sense the presence of God right where they are and there will be a turning point today.
today, Father, we agree. And you said we're two or three agree on touching any one thing. It shall be done. Lord, we declare, we declare it in Jesus' name. Life, wholeness, salvation, transformation in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. How many agree? Come on, do you agree? Amen. Hallelujah. Let it be so, Jesus. Let it be so, Jesus. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to the testimonies. I'm ready to hear testimonies of what God has done. Can we start, I, I don't know, can we start a, a testimony time? Where we just, somebody brings in a testimony a week. Pastor, this is what happened this week. Can we do that? I want to hear testimonies of what God's done. If something happens, write it down. We want, to, we want to rejoice with you, and we want to rejoice with the one standing on the, at the throne room as he rejoices. Amen? Amen. Let's do it. Amen? Hallelujah. So glad to see you this morning. Man, I'm excited about all that God's doing. Keep on believing. Come with a heart ready to receive. Come with an expectation that we have come together as the body of Christ to meet him in this place. Amen. I have a testimony, brother, this week. Testimony right here. I got a letter from my son, Asher, and I know you all have been praying for him, and I know you've been praying for me. And I got a letter, and, you know, I keep asking him, are you going to church? Are you going to church? And somebody said, well, he'll go to church because it's either church or clean. So I thought, yeah, he'll go. And he went, and, you know, he's been going to tell me he was going, and he told me, that he's never felt closer to the Lord than he does right now. So Amen. thank you all, because I know that it's because it's because of you people here, my people, my family, his family. He said he he misses you, and what you know, he misses you, and he feels your prayers. So God, God's already moving for him and growing him, and I thank you all for being a part of that. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Woo. May there be more. Amen. May there be more. Come pray us out, sister. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Lord Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we love you. Oh, Jesus, we love you. Oh, Jesus, you are so beautiful, and God, we love you. We love you, Jesus. Thank you, God, that you precious us with your blood. Mm -hmm. We have been covered and protected by our high price, the blood of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for anointing us, that we will go out, Lord Jesus, and at this church, will be a place, Lord God, where signs and wonders will follow the people of this church. Thank you, Lord God, for the message today. Thank you for the song. Thank you for the teams, Lord Jesus. 
Thank you for the praise and worship, the children's leaders, the youth leader, Lord God. Oh, God, may your blessing follow the people of this church. May your blessing go, Lord God, that we will perform signs and wonders and miracles and raise the dead and heal the sick and cast out demons, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord God, that this will be the place where the city will come to receive Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. We just love you, Lord God, that you are walking in the midst of Akoa River Church of God. And Jesus, we thank you, Lord God, for your presence. Every time we meet, Lord God, we meet to surround you, to look at you, oh, to bow at your feet, to say that we love you because you are our king. And we celebrate King Jesus. We come in celebrating Jesus, and we go out celebrating Jesus. We love you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, beautiful Father. We love you, Lord. We bless you, Jesus. God, we thank you for the angels that you have placed over this church. Oh, thank you, Lord, that you will bless them and bless their weak, bless their hands and their feet, bless their going and their coming. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Come on, somebody. Woo! Look forward to seeing what God's doing. I believe there's great things happening. Amen? Amen. God bless you guys. Love you. Remember next Sunday night uh, at the Dyer's Homes, October the 30th. Remember that is a, a combined service here with uh, Rio Advance, and we're going to have a great time. God bless you. Love you. Fellowship with somebody. Let them know you're happy to see them this morning. Amen?